just like that, round one of the 2020 NFL Draft is all finished up. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Quick Hits, the second one in one week after having one over the last two months. Very proud of myself for being able to somehow um, set aside some time uh, and, and talk some sports. There hasn't been a lot to talk about, and, and life was hectic up until coronavirus. And now that we're settled down, and now that the draft is here, we're putting out content. Uh, lots to talk about today, um, and I'll try and keep this, like I said, with quick hits within the 30 to 35-minute range. Um, but man, uh, what a fun draft. Just a side note, I apologize if, if you can hear a slight maybe chewing in the background or some slight noise. I've got my dog a little distracted with um, a bone. Hopefully he just doesn't pick up any squeaky toys. So we will find out. Um, he is too needy to be more than five feet away from me. So he is sitting right at my feet with a bone in his mouth. But we're not here to talk about Bush. We're here to talk about the NFL draft. Round one is done. And uh, biggest news of the day is I got duped. Just like every major media outlet did, uh, you know, hats off to those who believed um, that this was all a giant smokescreen that the Miami Dolphins were 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 doing uh, since since the beginning of the college football season, or maybe halfway through it or toward the end of the NFL season. I really bought in to the fact that the Miami Dolphins were going to make the right choice and draft Justin Herbert fifth overall as their new franchise quarterback. Uh, injury concerns alone with Tua. I prefer Justin Herbert as a quarterback, and we'll talk about him with the Chargers a little bit later on. But I wanted to start with the Dolphins because, look, that was my biggest that was my biggest uh, mess up of this entire draft process. And you know, you look back on it, and and you you say, okay, Blake, a Bill Belichick disciple telling you what he wants to do in the draft for months clearly is a smokescreen. Um, and and you know, while we could say, you know. That they've always wanted Tua, I, you know, it seems to be the case. I, I really don't think that that before the season, if you were in on Tua, and let me think what I'm trying to say here exactly. To, the the best way to phrase this, if the injury concerns didn't um, didn't make them want Justin Herbert instead, then they wanted Tua from the start, um, and and they just weren't a fan of Herbert enough. Um, and so they ended up taking Tua Tungavailoa and he will be the next franchise quarterback for the Dolphins. Um, and just to talk about what Miami did in this first round, I said that they could make or break themselves for the next decade with this draft. Three first round picks, a couple more in day two. Um, rumors are they want to accumulate some more, maybe trade back from 39. Um, but you take a look at, at what they were able to do um, and of course, it all starts with Tua, and I have my concerns. If they can make it work, I'm all about it. Look, I, I have faith in Brian Flores. I have faith in what he is building on the defensive side of things, and we'll talk about that later on. I like his coaching mentality. He's an aggressive guy. I think, you know, as quickly as he could, he gutted that roster to get in the guys that he wanted, and it started in the offseason bringing in Kyle Van Noy making Byron Jones one of the highest-paid corners in the NFL to pair him with Xavier and Howard. Um, of course, you know, they got rid of, of Minka to, to take um, to get the 18th overall pick in the draft. Um, but it, it starts with Tua. Um, and to be uh, completely honest, I with the moves that they made in round one, 
Um, I would assume that they decide to sit Tua for this rookie season. And the biggest reason being that they did go back on the offensive line just once in round one. I wouldn't have been surprised if they did it twice. Uh, but they went with someone who's more of a project, not a plug-and-play day-one starter at the tackle position. They took Austin Jackson from USC. Uh, my top guy that would have been available to him was a Josh Jones or an Ezra Cleveland. I do like Austin Jackson. I don't think that taking him in round one is bad, but I do think it is if you're looking for someone that can help protect Tua Tungavailoa in 2020. He is very raw. Um, I think that Jackson needs a year or two before you can rely on him as a, as a true starter. So with that pick, it seems to me that the direction Miami is planning to go in, and, and I could be wrong um, on this, and they could say, okay, we're just going to throw Tua out there with a, a really bad offensive line and hope and pray he doesn't get hurt again. Um, the move to me would be to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick out there next season. Um, he's, you know, a durable guy, a seasoned vet. He can play, he's played behind plenty of bad offensive lines before. Um, Tua has not, um, at least in his time with Alabama, he never did. And so I just don't think it's worth the risk to put Tua out there in this first year, um, especially when, you know, you, you draft a guy who's a little bit more of a project like Austin Jackson. And I think you take a look at Miami is not building, you know, we want to turn ourselves into title contenders in just one year. You know, a lot of teams that try and do that, you think of how quickly the Rams turn things around and you take a look at where they are now with their cap problems and they keep trading for all these stars, but then having to let solid players go because they can't afford them. I think Miami is, is you know, like I've said about Brian Flores, he's the true Bill Belichick disciple. He is going to take his time to make this thing work um, and he's going to get the right players in there. And so ultimately... Uh, with what they did with picks 5 and 18, I don't think they're going to look to be world beaters next year or to push for a playoff spot next season. Um, I think, you know, with the AFC East uh, losing Tom Brady and, and the Patriots maybe taking a step back, I still think it's between them and Buffalo uh, for that for that top spot. Um, but I think that this is the, the long-haul play. I think if they wanted to make that push and say, okay, we're not going to waste our time, you know, I think the pick would have been Justin Herbert. I think you give his stature. I think he's more equipped to play behind a bad offensive line and still make things work. Uh, you know, a big six foot six body that can stay in the pocket that could also move outside of it. Um, a little worried, a little worried, but you know, I, I have faith in Brian Flores. I think that they can make this work, but I do believe it starts with Tua uh, sitting on the bench for the 2020 season and and making sure that by the time he comes around in 2021, the Dolphins have drafted or brought in in free agency more offensive line talent so that way when he is ready to take over the full starter position, he's got the protection around him to uh, keep him upright. So um, it's risky. You know, for me, I, I think back and, and, and I hope that this is the plan that Brian Flores goes with, just speaking from personal experience and having to live through, um, you know, wasting away one of the best quarterback talents to come out of, the, out of college football in the last 20-some years with Andrew Luck. Um, to see his career get wasted away because he played behind such bad offensive line play, um, I really do think that that it would be smart to sit uh, Tua down for a season while you try and build up a sturdy offensive line and get him some more weapons, things like that nature, and let Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of be the guy that takes all of the hits in 2020. Um, that is, is hopefully their approach. Um, but the one pick that I did want to talk about with them um, – what they were able to pull off at, uh, I guess they traded all the way back to pick 30 after originally having 
26, and trust me, we'll talk about the 26 pick uh, right after we finish with Miami. But Miami traded back to 30 uh, and got Noah, I'm going to try and say this, Igbinogene, um, the Nigerian from Auburn. Um, Miami has already built one of the best secondaries in football, uh, just like that. And yes, I know safety play is is up there, you know, okay, a little bit questionable. But when you think corners one, two, and three, uh, Miami is, is trying to become New England South. And I said that that was the plan from the start on one of the earliest episodes here. And, and what does New England have? They've got the best secondary in football. Um, they've got physical guys up front in the front seven. You don't need to overpay for those front seven guys. You can get them at a pretty good price. Um, but it's all with the secondary. Um, and, and Miami now, when you've got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard on the outside, and you've got Noah, this first-round pick, in the slot, I mean, that is filthy. That is going to give passing offensives nightmares. Um, Noah, just to take a look at where I evaluated him, because some thought that it might have been a bit of a reach. Uh, let me just pull up my big board. If you guys wanted to take a look, um, just a little plug right now. I did put out my top 100 prospects on my Twitter account, um, color-coded by top 10 talent, first-round talent, second round, and third round. Um, and just, you know, to take a look, and as Bush has found a squeaker toy, I'm going to take that away from him. I hope you all enjoyed hearing that for a little bit. Um, I believe it was 25 of my 30 prospects that I said were first-round talents did go in the first round. Um, the biggest ones where I screwed up a little bit were on the, you know, defensive backs. I had Antoine Winfield Jr. as a first-round talent. No safety went in the first round. Uh, when you take a look at corners that didn't make it in the first round, Christian Fulton and Jalen Johnson were not selected, uh, whereas Jeff Gladney, Noah Igmanogane, and A.J. Terrell uh, were all taken, and I had those three as second-round talents. So uh, I was a little off on the DBs, but I had Noah as, as my number six corner, and the only reason he was down so low is because he is a slot corner primarily. Uh, but I love the fit where you don't, you don't draft him in the first round and expect him to be on the outside, you can put him in the slot. So I love that pick, and like I said, I'm okay uh, with with the um, with the Austin Jackson pick at 18. I don't think he is the the best NFL ready tackle that was available at that point. Like I said, Ezra Cleveland or Josh Jones would have been my bet, um, but I do believe it's a project where you can wait a year or two. So. Grading the picks, it goes in reverse order from where I like it. My favorite pick for Miami was at 30, taking the corner out of Auburn. My second favorite would be Austin Jackson at USC. And, and as you've known for months, um, I would have much preferred the Dolphins to have Justin Herbert uh, over Tua. But, um, you know, they, they duped us all in saying for months that Justin was their guy. And hats off to those that, that still stuck with, with Tua. I know there's a guy I pay attention to over at Bleacher Report that had said um, uh, his name is uh, Connor Rogers. He always had Tua here. Um, there's a few other guys out there as well, too. I just, I was I was buying into the hype. I loved the fit. But uh, let's, let's change topics now. Let's head over to that 26th pick. Um, the Green Bay Packers trading up uh, four spots to get to 26. And uh, they drafted the first skill player on offense in the first round that they have since 2005, back when it was Aaron Rodgers. You would think, okay, they finally they finally drafted a receiver in day one. An offensive talent for Aaron Rodgers. No, that is incorrect. They drafted his eventual replacement, Jordan Love, out of Utah State. Um, this one baffles me a little bit. And, and before we get started, um, I am doing this from a total... Uh, not looking at it as a Colts fan perspective. 
I, I've, I wanted Jordan Love to be an Indianapolis Colt, and I was devastated when I saw the Packers trading up four spots because I knew where they were going with it. Um, I, I really was hoping that the Colts were going to, to, to be able to get him at the end of the first or potentially early in the second. Um, but I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I'm looking at it as a Green Bay perspective, and I'm looking at it as an Aaron Rodgers fan. You know, he is one of my favorite quarterbacks I think I've ever watched play in the NFL um, through this point in his career. And uh, I was really hoping, we, we just ended a regime with Mike McCarthy, where like I said, since 2005, they never took uh, any day one help for him. Sure, on the offensive line at times, and they were able to find some steals in a guy like Devontae Adams. Uh, you think Aaron Jones, what he is now. They were able to find those guys late. But I was really looking forward to this new regime um, with, with um, sorry, Matt LaFleur as the uh, new era head coach. I was looking forward um, to them finally putting talent around Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the, the thing that I always think is funny when, when taking a look at, at Rodgers and his receivers, they are great um, it, with Green Bay. And then as soon as they go, oh, all of a sudden they fell off this massive cliff. Maybe that says that Aaron Rodgers is making these, uh, you know, B grade or C grade talent wide receivers, A minus or even A style receivers. You know, he brings the best out of them because he puts the ball on the money 90% of the time. Um, so I was excited to finally get him, you know, a stud one two combo that we haven't seen in a while or maybe ever uh, with Green Bay when they had Aaron Rodgers. And so um, at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers, what they did here in the first round was they planned too far ahead in the future. They were in the NFC title game this year. They were one game away from making it to the Super Bowl. And sure, you know, they probably, you know, lose to Kansas City in that game. But you get Rodgers and Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That was what I wanted from the start of the season. It's what I wanted the start of next season. I want these two playing against each other, two of the greatest quarterback talents the game has ever seen. I want them playing in the Super Bowl. And instead of getting, instead of having the Packers reload for next season, they're planning for 2022, 2023, and, and the decade beyond that. They're wasting away the end of, of, of Aaron Rodgers' career after the middle years were wasted away just as much. You know, they never really got him a bunch of talent around him. The defense had its problems. And if you take a look at, at what their biggest competition was, you know, they did well last season, like I said, made it to an NFC Championship game. But two times they ran into the San Francisco 49ers, and two times their defense was absolutely picked apart. So even if they didn't want to go you know, a wide receiver in round one. If they thought the value was better in day two, fine. I am totally okay with that. But you can't look at this team and say, oh yeah, next year we can be just as just as good, if not better, uh, with bringing in a first round pick who is not going to play. You know, you give up extra draft capital to move up the four spots and you take a guy that is not going to have an impact on on maximizing this this title window with Aaron Rodgers. If they wanted to go defensive tackle, if they wanted to go linebacker, they just lost Blake Martinez. If they wanted to go safety or, or get an extra corner in there, I would have been fine with any of that. More protection for Aaron Rodgers? Get him an offensive lineman after they lose uh, they lose uh, Brian Balaga. You know, any other position but quarterback would have made me happy for the Packers. Of course, I wanted a wide receiver, and sure, they may still take one in day two, but I really thought that this was going to be a cohesive unit that finally wanted to 
you know, maximize the talent of Aaron Rodgers. And sure, Rodgers is on the decline, but he's still one of the top quarterback talents in the league. And, and instead of being able to say, okay, we address some of our biggest needs for the 2020 season, the 2021 season, and we are still going to be contending for titles with Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. Uh, instead, they took a guy that, you know, much like Aaron Rodgers was to Brett Favre, um, is going to be, you know, the eventual replacement a couple of years down the road. And, you know, looking at it more so in, in detail, yes, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, Brett Favre was younger when Aaron Rodgers was drafted than Aaron Rodgers is now when Jordan Love was drafted. But Rodgers is still on contract for, like, uh, what, through the 2022 season? He, he said recently, this past offseason, he wants to play till he's 40. You know what this makes me think? You know, Matt LaFleur and and Aaron Rodgers, there was already reportedly rifts between the two when it started, and I didn't buy it. Both of them are a little bit arrogant. Yes, they, they both got their tempers. I thought they would make it work. And throughout the season, it just didn't seem like it was working. Um, there always seemed to be something a little bit off, and I wasn't buying into it. But with this pick now, it, it just, it, it, we're just wasting, you know, the the last few great years of one of the greatest quarterback talents that has ever stepped onto a football field. And, and it's frustrating. You know, we take a look at a guy like Tom Brady who has six Super Bowl championships and we call him the GOAT. And, and is his talent, you know, top two or three all time? No. But he's got the six rings, so he goes down at the, as the GOAT. And Aaron Rodgers, before Patrick Mahomes came into this league, I had never seen an athlete, uh, you know, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And, and what were we able to give him? Through the majority of his career. One Super Bowl. And I don't think they put themselves in the position to get a, a, another trip uh, before then. They still have huge problems in the run game. They lost one of their best tacklers in the middle of that defense. They lost their right tackle. They didn't add a wide receiver yet. It, it's just frustrating because they didn't need to do it. If you're picking in the late 20s, you could take a flyer on any quarterback over the next three years and get him to prepare. Hell, I was banging the table for the for the Packers to try and bring in Josh Rosen. He would have cost a fourth or fifth round pick at most. And that's a guy that I was really high on. And I think a guy who has done workouts with Aaron Rodgers, the one guy that Aaron Rodgers would have potentially helped mentor. You know, I, I feel like Rodgers would have groomed Rosen. I don't think he's going to groom Jordan Love. He's going to say, fuck you, Matt LaFleur. We had top receivers. Denzel Mims was available. All these guys are available. It's a deep receiver class. There was an offensive tackle available. There's some of the top D tackles in this draft still available. A top linebacker. And you draft my replacement? We are in a championship window now. And they blew it. You know, all these teams aren't getting worse. The NFC is getting stronger. You've got to worry about the Saints. You've got to worry about the Buccaneers. You've got to worry about the Vikings. The NFC West. 49ers are still around. The Cardinals are getting better. The Seahawks are still there. The Cowboys drafted a stud wide receiver to an already filthy offense. The, the Packers really messed this one up. And, and sure, 
this could be great for Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love five years from now. And and look, if he's the talent that I think he is, I think this is a great situation for him to, you know, sit for a couple years like Rodgers did and come out guns a-blazing when the time comes. But from the perspective of Aaron Rodgers and maximizing what is one of the best talents the NFL has ever seen, I think it's an absolute waste to the end of his career. And um, one that probably pushes him out of Green Bay before his contract is up. Because with his contract and how long Rodgers wants to play, you know, Jordan Love's got five years on that rookie contract. I say he's playing at least by year three of it, so you get three years to figure out what to do and how to extend him. So the clock is ticking for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, unfortunately. The only thing I can hope is that this makes him fired up as hell to come out guns a-blazing next season. You know, I hope that this lights a fire under his ass pisses him off but it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be like that you should have your coach and GM behind you stacking around you when you're as talented and has done as as much as he could to the franchise that Rodgers has to Green Bay god it made me so mad and like I said this is not from the perspective of I wanted the Colts to take him I, I wish him all the best in Green Bay when the time comes but you know to not maximize on what on what Aaron Rodgers has and and you were so close you were in the NFC title game you're one or two players away from fixing that run defense and making it a much closer game with San Francisco and if it's a one possession game and you got Aaron Rodgers there's few guys I'd rather have in the league to get me to that Super Bowl and um and they pissed it away by drafting his replacement god it's frustrating all right let's calm myself down now let's talk about some picks that I like um Look, I, I, I think the there's two teams that clearly stood out above the rest uh, in this draft, uh, and I'm talking guys that had multiple picks. Um, you know, sure, the Bengals getting Joe Burrow and the Redskins getting Chase Young, Lions getting, you know, Jeff Okuda. Those are the three best talents in this draft, and hats off. You know, you didn't have to um, do too much to get them there. It was kind of in, in chalk since day one as long as Detroit, uh, Detroit didn't trade back. Uh, but there were two teams that I, I thought, you know, hats off, bravo, great job uh, in that first round. Uh, one in the AFC, one in the NFC. Um, and, and let's start off with, with my biggest winner. That's got to be the, uh, the LA Chargers. You know, um, they avoid, you know, getting Tua. Uh, they, they get my guy, Justin Herbert, you know, the West Coast kid, the next face of the franchise. He'll go in there, compete with Tyrod Taylor. Um, but not only that, they trade back into the first round, and this is what I love. They know the fact that they needed help uh, in the middle of that defense, and they go and get a freak of nature in Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, one of the top linebacking prospects. Um, just for comparison, he was um, he was my number three. I did have Patrick Queen slightly ahead, but he was still a first-round talent to me. Obviously, Isaiah Simmons was my number one, um, but but Kenneth Murray is is great for the middle of that defense, and and that defense is is phenomenal now. You know they brought in um, oh who they bring in over they brought in Linval Joseph to the middle of that defense this offseason. I've been begging for them to get some D tackle help for uh, Joey Bosa and, and uh, Melvin Ingram. So that D line is filthy now. Their safeties and defensive backs, you know Derwin James, a freak of nature, um, and, and then at linebacker you're able to go in there and, and get Kenneth Murray. So. Um, hats off to the Chargers for their first round. I hope round two, well, I guess they did trade away their second and third round picks. So, um, not sure. I guess I need to take a look at where they're picking now, but the, the rest of the, um, 
draft should be, okay, we got to get some protection for Justin Herbert because it is a bad offensive line. I think that's the biggest reason that Phillip Rivers looked so bad last year is he didn't have a, a clean pocket half the time. That's why I, I have faith in Phillip Rivers next year in Indianapolis because he's going to have one of the best offensive lines protecting him. Um, but Justin Herbert, God, look, I, I like I said, I would have loved it to Miami. You know, my, I, I love the head coach. I love the mantra. I, I, I really do think that they are going to be one of those high-flying teams if, if they can hit everything right uh, for the next decade and be consistently, you know, competing for playoff spots and, and winning the division. But, man, Justin Herbert couldn't have gone to a, a better destination. I mean, you take a look at the weapons around him. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. You got Mike Williams opposite Keenan Allen. It's great. The weapons there are phenomenal. Justin Herbert's going to have a layup. You know, Tua throwing to Devontae Parker is nice. And, and you know, having, I guess they could take a running back in round two, but what do they got right now? They've got a... God, I can't remember his name. That that's, that's, that's what it shows you. The talent around the Miami offense right now isn't that great. So, you know, Herbert, I wanted him to go to Miami, but he ended up in the best situation possible beyond that because of the weapons around him. And, uh, and look, so if the Chargers can, can hit some offensive line guys, if, you know, you take a look at the top tackles available in my eyes, you've got an Ezra Cleveland, you've got a Josh Jones, uh, Lucas Nyang. Um, if you go later and you've got pre, uh, Prince Tego Wanogo, um, Ben Bart, there's some good, you know, end of day two, early day three tackles still available. So I hope to see them address the offensive line. Uh, the weapons are already there. Maybe you get an RB2 for Austin Eckler to be the RB1, but I think it's a great fit. I think it's 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 a, a solid fit, and um, and for, for Justin Herbert, you know, with the cannon of an arm thrown deep to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be pretty fun. So love what the Chargers did in the first round. Hope they can maximize it and help get some protection for Justin Herbert uh, in days two and three. Going over to my NFC team uh, that, that wowed me, um, and they did get a little lucky, so I can't really say they did uh, a whole too much that was phenomenal, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, pulled off um, two great picks for both being in the 20s. Now, first it starts off with with uh, you know them luckily getting Justin Jefferson wide receiver out of LSU. He is my 3A receiver in this draft class. Um, you know, my my top 10 talents at wide receiver were CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs. Right behind them um, was Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson. I have them 3A, 3B, but I give the edge to Jerry Judy because uh, I think he does just a little bit more um, in terms of being a total complete package as a wide receiver. But <laughs> for the Eagles and, and you know... Uh, I already got angry earlier with with Aaron Rodgers and and uh, Jordan Love. I don't want to get too angry when talking about um, you know potentially the Eagles getting themselves Nelson Aguilar 2.0. A little worried. Um, the Vikings, you know, not overthinking it, getting Justin Jefferson uh, at the end of the day, and and he's not going to be at day one. But you traded away Stephon Diggs for that pick. And you, you might have ended up with someone better than Stefan Diggs. I think Justin Jefferson is is going to be a great talent in Minnesota. Um, and especially where, you know, even in his early years before he takes over, he's the number two wide receiver. 
you know, you take a look at some of these other guys. CeeDee Lamb, you know, he's going to be a number two to Amari Cooper, so that's a, a great fit as well, too. But Henry Ruggs is going to have a lot of pressure on him. His wide receiver one in Las Vegas. Uh, Jerry Judy, probably wide receiver two to start off, but probably becomes, uh, you know, I, I think the difference um, is, is slim between him and Cortland Sutton, where Justin Jefferson is going to go in there, and he's got Adam Thielen as, as the wide receiver one. It's going to open up a lot for him early in his career. Um, and so Justin Jefferson... Uh, one of the steals in this draft, I wouldn't have been upset if he had um, gone in the late teens. But of course, when C.D. Lamb started falling, you know uh, that you're not going to take Justin Jefferson over C.D. Lamb. Um, but the the Eagles passing on Jefferson for Jalen Rager and and to not harp on it a little bit harder, I did have Rager as as a round one talent. I am a little bit worried at the end of the day. Um, that they did pass on a guy that I think could be a transcendent talent in Justin Jefferson. Um, so they nail that pick, of course, which I love. Um, and then they follow it up at uh, trading, excuse me, back to 31 with the 49ers and getting Jeff Gladney, uh, cornerback out of TCU. Um, this is, this is you know, the Xavier Rhodes replacement. Uh, it, it makes sense. Um, he's a physical guy lengthy guy out of TCU. Um, I, I, I really think that they address their two biggest needs here in round one. And it makes you think they probably think they can get Everson Griffin back, uh, who's still a free agent right now. I think they probably could have gone with a, um, you know, Yeter Gross Matos here. But I think they still feel like they can get back uh, Everson Griffin in free agency. So that's probably why they went corner. And of course, it's a bigger need to me than it is up in their front seven that's already you know, pretty solid. So um, I think in my mock for the Vikings, I had them taking Cesar Ruiz, who was not available uh, by the time that they were making this second pick. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I think their entire, I think their entire draft plan um, changed when, when Justin Jefferson became available. You know, they probably could have gone offensive line or even corner at 22. But uh, when Justin Jefferson was still on the board, I, I, that had to change things for them. Um, so I had them going interior offensive line and then a corner with the second pick. And like I said, you know, I did miss a little bit in terms of how NFL teams were viewing these corners as first round or second round talents. I, I did have uh, Gladney in there as a second round talent. Um, let me just see which one exactly he was. He was my fifth rated corner. Um, so he was still, he's my top second round talent. Um, I like him more than A.J. Terrell. I like him more than Trevon Diggs. And I like him more than Noah out of Auburn. Um, but I, like I said, I, I don't blame the pick at all. 31, physical corner, fits what Mike Zimmer is looking for. So uh, I think the Vikings did a lot to um, push forward uh, after losing some of their bigger names, Xavier Rhodes and Stefan Diggs. I think they did a phenomenal job in replacing both of them. Uh, with guys that could potentially be even better, you know, especially with the fact that um, Xavier Rhodes definitely, you know, massively fell off this past season. So uh, solid picks for Minnesota. They and the Chargers are the winners of my day one. Um, and, you know, other winner, too, you got to throw out there, like I mentioned earlier, the Cowboys getting CeeDee Lamb. I mean, at the uh, at the end of the day, that offense next year is going to be phenomenal. Um, and I, I know they still have to work out things with Dak, and Amari just got paid. Zeke is there. The offensive line is good. That offense is going to be great. It's going to be, okay, you know, 
sure, our secondary is bad. It's not that great right now. We lost Byron Jones. And, you know, there's still great safeties and corners available in day two for Dallas. But um, I think they're going to say just try and keep up with us on offense because I don't think you'll be able to. So uh, hats off to Dallas. You know, you got the best wide receiver prospect, a top 10 prospect to me. Um, they got him at pick 17, so there's great value there. And, uh, and yeah, I think, I think you look at the NFC East. Look, Dallas did everything right in day one. And, and you know, Philadelphia probably got the worst value. Um, when you just think of who else was available. Both took first-round talents, but Dallas at 17 got my number one wide receiver, and Philadelphia at 21 got my number five wide receiver um, when number four was available, and I think there's a pretty big gap between four and five. So uh, any few things I still want to touch on? I think that was just about it. Uh, you know, I, I love, you know, of course, the Ravens pick going in there and, and getting... Um, uh, sorry, Patrick Queen, going against the old regime, never drafting LSU talents because uh, he went to Alabama. This uh, They start right off taking an LSU freak of nature at linebacker. Oh, favorite fit. Uh, one of my favorite fits, and, and this was a pick that I nailed in my mock draft. My mock, I believe, so I said 25 of my 30 first-round talents got selected in the first round. I think I got six or seven picks in my mock draft correct. Of course, you know, the, three, the first three were an easy layup. I had Derek Brown to the Carolina Panthers. Um, there's one other in there, C.J. Henderson to the Jaguars, and then I also got, uh, with pick 32, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to the Kansas City Chiefs, which is just a big F you to the rest of the league. <laughs> it really is. Oh, you think we have the best offensive na offense now? Let's get you the number one running back in this draft class and make ourselves that more filthy. Um you know, my, my thoughts on Edward Slayer, he was the only running back I gave a first-round grade. I think that potentially he is, you know, really the only three, true three-down back in this class. Um, and man, I mean, it's electric. If you're not, if you're in Dynasty Leagues and you've got a rookie draft coming up, if this isn't your first overall pick, you are, you're making a terrible choice because this is about to be, and I think, um, you know, it's already come out, Brett Veach and Andy Reid have talked about this. This is they think that this is a better version of Brian Westbrook. So um, be prepared. This Kansas City offense is is going to be phenomenal. So uh, hats off to them, the the Ravens and the Cowboys for getting great value and great fits there um, as well too. So last thing I'll leave you with before we head out is some of my favorite prospects still available. Um, you know, I'll just go through the positions. I don't have any round two grades on quarterbacks remaining. The next ones were Jalen Hurts and Jacob Eason, who I have third-round grades on. At the running back position, still available, I've got four with second-round grades. That's Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, and Antonio Gibson from Memphis. Taking a look at wide receiver, I don't have any first-round talent still available at the position. All of them have been taken, but my best available second-round guys are Michael Pittman, Denzel Mims, LaVisca Chenault, KJ Hamler, and T. Higgins. Uh, the one tight end that I have as a second-round grade, Cole Komet, is available, uh, as well as third-round talents, Adam Trotman and Hunter Bryant. Taking a look at the offensive line, uh, Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, Lucas Niang, Ben Bark, Prince Tego Wanogo. Those are all of my uh, two round two and three grades. I, I should be mentioning 
um, both rounds two and three since both are later tonight. Taking a look at the interior offensive line, I think this guy might be the first pick of the second round uh, with Joe Burrow getting him his guarded LSU, Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, but other round two grades, Robert Hunt and Jonah Jackson are available. And then my round three interior offensive linemen are Damian Lewis, Shane Lemieux, Nitain Muti, and John Simpson. One uh, first round grade that I still have available is Yatur Gross Matos. I would expect him to be pretty early on within the first five or six picks of this second round. And then you go through some of the bigger names uh, at the edge position, Josh, Josh Uche, Julian Oquara, AJ Epinesa, Derek Zuka, Terrell Lewis, Daryl Taylor, um, and then some guys that I had round three grades on, like Kenny Willekes, Curtis Weaver, Khalid Kareem, and Jonathan Greenard. Uh, all of my first-round talent defensive tackles are gone. Best available to me, Ross Blacklock, Justin Matabuki, Neville Gallimore, and Devon Hamilton. Uh, linebacker, I do have a first-round grade on Zach Bond. He is still available, along with Malik Harrison, Akeem Davis-Gathers, Logo Wilson, and Jordan Brooks actually is not available. Uh, that just made me realize that uh, I believe the Seahawks, who are known to trade out of the first round every year since 2013, uh, they took what my eighth-ranked linebacker. Good fit, middle linebacker, could have gotten him in the second round. Um, so those are my linebackers available. I do have two first-round graded corners that are available, Christian Fulton from LSU and Jalen Johnson, who I believe was from Utah. If I've got that incorrect, I apologize. Those two I had first-round grades on. Um, and the only second-round grade that I have that's available is Trayvon Diggs still. And then you take a look at the safety class. Uh, my top five safeties are still available. None were taken. Uh, my first round grade went to Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, and then my second round grades went to Xavier McKinney, Ashton Davis, Grant Del Pitt, and Jeremy Chin. So those are my favorite guys that are still available for day two. Um, I'll be interested in looking at how many of my top 100 prospects actually made it inside the top 100. Um, we will find out by the end of tonight. So this is a short-lived uh, podcast. At least this part is talking about best available players for tonight. But I hope you um, enjoyed my takes on this draft. Like I said, I, I'm okay with what Miami did. I don't love it. Um, but I think that, you know, my favorite order uh, in their picks is, is, you know, their third pick, their second pick, and their first pick. I really, as you've heard me rant, uh, I got pretty angry there. I've calmed myself down. Uh, but but the uh, Packers are really wasting away the final great years of Aaron Rodgers here just to, um, you know, groom up their next quarterback. And while that's fine, I think you could have waited a couple years to try and find a guy like that. I think Aaron Rodgers still has a lot left in the tank. Um, don't understand what Philadelphia was doing. I do have a first round grade on Jalen Rager, but Justin Jefferson to me is a difference maker where Rager has high upside. But there's a lot of concerns uh, when you take a look at, at, at drops and things like that. Um, I think that the favorite drafts for me went to the Chargers and the Vikings. I think the Cowboys, Ravens, they stole a, a great talent um, in, in the first round. And, um, and you know, some of my top prospects available, you just heard all of them as well, too. So uh, we will be back, I believe, Monday morning with a full recap of the draft. Um, so we'll be excited. Day two, and I saw, I've seen this on Twitter. This is a great day. This is where the teams really make a difference. Um, in terms of elevating themselves to Super Bowl potential. All the top guys are gone, but these are great value picks right here, rounds two and three. This is also massive if you're a fantasy football fan for the implications for your rookie drafts. You know, like I said, those receivers and, and running backs that are available, 
they could be some the 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 fits are going to be huge uh, for tonight to see um, you know where you're going to be taking a guy like J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor. Where does Zach Moss end up in round three? Does Michael Pittman end up at a good situation? You know, where do guys like T. Higgins go, who I think really needs a good system to survive in, in the NFL? There's a there's a bunch to go on tonight that I think will be really interesting for fantasy uh, football implications. But um, like I said, we'll be back on Monday recapping the entire draft, talking some of the bigger storylines, who won the draft, who lost the draft, who best positioned themselves to win now, who best positioned themselves to win, you know, five years from now. We'll get to all of that. I'll talk a little bit about the Colts Hall. They didn't have any first-round picks, but with two in round two and already rumors that they want to trade back from 34, um, they could get a lot of guys uh, in between now and the end of Saturday. So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with a friend. I appreciate your feedback on the show. Um, follow me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace for, for more of this content. I will be live tweeting it throughout the draft, some of my favorite picks, some of my least favorite picks, so make sure to follow me over there. Um, and and I, I appreciate you guys listening. As always, thanks for sticking with me. Uh, like I said, as, as we've been on a two-month hiatus, um, I'm, 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 I'm hoping when we get sports going and things like that that we'll be able to do a lot of fun things here. So take care, enjoy the rest of the draft, and I will see you all on Monday. Peace.